Hey guys, today we are talking about marriage, everything to do with marriage, because we're experts, not really, but uh, we're going to share some of our own personal experiences, what God shows in his word, what marriage should look like, and give you guys some good resources for if you have a struggling marriage, or if you just want some uh, interesting details on what it's like to have a savage marriage. Come along for the ride, guys. man well hmm. back again yeah i guess we'll keep doing this because keep people keep listening to us yeah for sure so. i'm getting a lot of good a lot of good feedback so yeah. uh, for everybody out there don't be afraid to comment let us know what you want want to hear talk about i know some of this stuff you know this is just a lot of times you're sitting at your desk at work you got the podcast on while you're typing your guts out on some computer code or whatever whatever you do but uh, we would love to to talk about recent events things you uh, want us to hear talk about so let us know yep yep and uh real quick you guys may have noticed i got a new shirt here looks pretty move good move this move this microphone a little bit so you can see it we have merch we have that shirt and we also have this shirt which is pretty cool we have wristbands as i was so yes. corrected the last yes, time we have a right. black and a white one for you guys that want to kind of share your beliefs and have have kind of a conversation starter um so hit that up. That is on our store connected to our website, and we ship those out. I've already shipped out about a half a dozen shirts to different people um, all over the place. And so we'd love to see you guys wearing some of our merch hats. I just actually finalized some of the design on the hats earlier today. So hats will be here in probably a couple of weeks. And uh, we've actually got hoodies that are actually being made right now um, with the same design as a black shirt. Yep. So it's going to be... We're going to have a bunch of righteous savages out there in their nice. shirts and, and hoodies. Maybe those people that are listening in Australia will order a shirt. Yeah. And yeah. then on our next shirt, we can actually put world famous righteous I mean, savages tagline. Te- technically, because we're already getting downloads, we are world famous. We're going to have to trademark that before, you know, <laughs> yeah. before it gets too late. So, <laughs> yeah. We yeah, get to that. Sure. Uh, we're, we'll have to do the world famous righteous savages barbecue, too. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So. Oh, dude, I'm, I'm telling you, <laughs> we're going to get way off track here. <laughs> In a, in a second. Of we're we're going to do a whole episode on cooking meat. Maybe we'll just get in the kitchen or yeah. on the smoker on the deck or something, and we'll just yeah. we'll just what was cook this up ep- What was this episode? Yeah. <laughs> doing? Uh, well, Marriage? Yes, yes. So, um, oh, boy. One of the things, and this is, this is kind of like a lot of the other stuff that we've talked about, has become a hot-button issue in a lot of ways because culture and society is just changing so fast. It's a – it's – like everything in the world is counter to what us as Christians and believers uh, know in God's word, what is, what is told to us and having culture be pushing it, it. It's like, we're becoming more and more counter culture. If you're, I think it was um, uh, Mark Driscoll, a pastor from Texas was saying, if you, if you're married, have children um, and you um, work a job 
you are in, you're actually a countercultural person. It's, it's kind of crazy that we've gotten to that point. If you're a man who is married to a woman who has children and works a regular job, you're actually a counterculture now. Yeah, is that like not I, crazy? You know, I talked, I used the phrase in the last episode, clown show mm-hmm. for life in general. And, and also the phrase that normal is not coming back and things are just really seem a little sideways. And, but here's the thing, regardless of what you think about what's going on in the world, it's, and it's just like how we, we work firearms training and, and tactical training. We could sit there and try to tell people all day long, like, here's what you're doing wrong. And, and you're doing this wrong and you're doing that wrong. And you're doing, you know, all these things you're doing wrong. And sometimes, you know, that might be true, but the, the real path to getting things straightened out is to tell people what they need to do. Yeah. Like what's the what's the right thing to do? Let's focus on that because you might not ever figure out what really is wrong, but you do know most people know what is right, regardless of whether they're in church or religious or whatever you want to call it. We're born, I think, as humans, as children of God, that we know we're ingrained with right and wrong. It's yeah. your it's your conscience, it's your soul, and so everybody knows what's right. Let's just focus on on what what the right thing to do is, and. There's a lot of ways to do that as well, but let's focus on how to do this right. Yeah, yeah. And when it comes to something like marriage, I think the way to do it right is really we look at Scripture. We look at Scripture from the beginning. God created man, and he set him forth on a path, and it was out of the necessity of God seeing that Adam was, he said, in, his, in, the, in the Word, he says, it's not good for a man to live alone. And so he created a helper. He created someone for him to do life with. And that was a picture of the relationship that we should have with our Heavenly Father as well. And that's what marriage really is, is that it is a a melding of two unique individuals into one. And it is very symbolic of our relationship with our Father. And if you're doing marriage right, it will draw you closer to each other. And as Christians, it will draw each of you closer to God in his Mm -hmm perfect way god wants us to be drawing closer to him together and that draws us closer to each other yep so so john i want to hear a little bit about you and and your family so how long have you been have you been married you know when did this journey of marriage start for you and kind of what was the what was the the foundation like what's what was the basis for you know the foundation of your relationship Yeah. So my wife actually corrected me earlier on an episode because I didn't tell the full story of how we met. And so she was really upset. It's actually really kind of cool. But we, um, we met when we were in college, I had every intention of going, getting my degree, going to Texas. When I was stationed in Texas, when I was in the air force, loved it down there. The people had the same kind of views as me. So, you know, just place that I fit. So I wanted to go to Texas And, um, I had, um, I guess you could say uh, an infatuation with a girl that I was in class with and ended up going out on a date with her. She was not interested in me at all. You know, it was just kind of like, I think it was one of those, I feel like I I have pity on this young guy. Mm -hmm. So I'm just going to go out on a date with him. No big deal. Say I did it, whatever. Um, we were out on a date and we met a group of friends And my now wife was on a date with another guy. And we ended up by chance sitting next to each other on a table. 
and um, are at a table. How are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> Ended up talking. Um, ironically, and this is kind of this is kind of funny considering I, what I talked about video games last time. We were really big into playing video games, and she came over and played video games like a week later. And I was with my that that other friend that was on a date with her. He's like, "Hey, this girl's going to come over." I was like, "Oh, cool, cool." And from there on, we became friends. And it started to develop into a friendship after I got back. I got deployed to Europe and, and Iraq at the time. And was um, when I came back, we had built a friendship and it budded into a, a, a romance at that point. And let's see, that was 18 years ago. Um, so that's it's been a long journey and did both of you have a, a a church or a christian background at the time or was that something that developed later or kind of where were you guys at with your faith in the in the beginning so i grew up in church and i this is really really an interesting um little tidbit because i had been very very passionate about uh, church and god and everything for most of my life through my teenage years when I got in the Air Force, it was kind of like sowing my wild oats. Mm -hmm. So I did a lot of partying. I did a lot of um, just th things that I'm not proud of now, but a lot of sleeping around, a lot of that kind of stuff. Just, just if we're brutally honest, I did a lot of that stuff. And um, when she met me, I was kind of detoxing, but I still had a lot of that wildness in me. So, But she, she to this day said she saw something in me. Because I would talk about God, and she's like, "When you talked about God, it was like I, I knew you believed it, but I didn't. Mm -hmm. I didn't really, you know, I didn't always see it in you." And so we had some rocky, rocky parts because she came to faith much later in her teenage years. Really came to faith later on in her life than me. So she was somewhat new, you know, five six years to to faith, but really did believe in God, and so. She was attracted to that part of me and not so much the, the party animal mm -hmm. that I was. But um, so we had some rocky moments. But once we um, once we got married, I mean, we still with any marriage, you kind of have those those you're learning to live with another person. But um, once we got married, our faith really started to draw together and we found a really good church and. Uh, we're currently still going to that church. Um, so once we found a good church family and we're able to see p other people doing life and doing marriage well together, it really helped us. Yeah. So. I think it's so critical for a couple to have a foundation in their, in their faith. You could, if, you know, and there's a lot of people out there that I guess make it, you know, they don't go to church, they're not religious, whatever you want to call it, and they, they might be married 40 mm -hmm. years, I don't know. But for me, my, you know, my relationship with Sheila, that the the foundation in Jesus is the rock solid part of our relationship. Mm -hmm. And we know that everything else really doesn't matter in comparison to that. So the little bumps in the road or disagreements or whatever, both of us keep that in perspective and realize, you know what, all that stuff, we can work through that hopefully, but our faith foundation is critical. People ask me and Sheila all the time, we've gotten to go on some vacations the last couple of years and we go out and we talk <clears> to people and like, Oh, you know, where are you guys from? And you know, we tell them where we're from and you know, we're here on a anniversary trip or whatever. And how long have you been married? 
We've been married 30 years. And the question that everybody asks us is like, wow, well, what's the secret? How have you been married for 30 years? And Sheila and, and myself, we're always quick to tell people it's our foundation and our faith in God. No doubt about it. That's number one. And then building from that is also having an attitude of service Absolutely. towards your spouse. Yep. The, the marriage is not a 50-50 relationship. You cannot get married and think, well, you know, I've got my job. She's got hers. We go about our day. We cook dinner and we do our kid thing. And then we just, you know, talk for a little bit and we're just together. It can't mm-hmm. be that way. It's got to be selfless and you have to be serving your spouse. And, you know, without that, it becomes, things become very difficult. And it's amazing how being selfless can stir the other people, the other person to be selfless as well. Inspire. And now there's the the back and forth and things blossom and grow. And so that's, it's critical faith in God. Number one, rely on that as your foundation. And then, be selfless in your, you know, just your, your acts toward, toward your spouse, unconditional. And this, you just model it off of what Jesus did. Like, you know, what would Jesus do? Yep. You know, Jesus would not be so concerned about himself. He's always concerned about other people for crying out loud. He died on a cross for us when we didn't deserve it. We deserve people talk about life's not fair. You don't want life to really be fair because if it was fair, you'd get what you deserve. Yeah. Jesus came and all of a sudden we're not getting what we deserve anymore. So, you know, the way he selflessly lived to save the entire universe, you know, we had need to have the mindset of how can I serve my spouse? And it doesn't mean that you're, you know, uh, you know, just following that person around and just, you know, doing whatever they say or being controlled. It doesn't mean that. It means you honestly want to do things for your wife, for yeah. your husband. And there's a lot of a lot of different ways to do that. Yep. I agree. And that is definitely the foundation that we all have to have if we're talking about wanting to build a successful marriage that honors God and models what Jesus actually actually modeled for us in sacrificial leadership and inspiring each other to do better. That is, we're, we're really, we sharpen each other. It can be a, it can be sometimes frustrating, sometimes difficult, um, but it's worth it in the end for sure. Right now, as I, we've gone along in our marriage and our relationship, one thing I learned years ago is that I'm not smart enough to figure out all the details of this relationship <laughs> stuff. You think you can, you think you can figure it out on your own. Like I know how to treat my spouse and I know how to be nice and I know how to take care of people, but we really don't truly know the, the, the psychological dynamic of, of human relationships, mm-hmm. but there are a lot of people do the people with PhDs and, mm-hmm. and psychologists and psychiatrists and a lot of people that have really worked on the relationship side of things. And a lot of those people are Christians and they give really good advice. So when people ask, you know, what's the secret to your marriage? And we talk about our, our foundation in God. I also highly recommend you do some research and some study on how to figure this out because you won't just figure it out on your own. So there's some books out there and I'm, I like to study. I like to research in my job in law enforcement. We were always studying case law. You're always watching training videos. You're always trying to learn how to get better. You want to be the best cop. You can be the best SWAT guy. You can be the best shooter, the best, whatever. 
And you can't just make that stuff up on your own. Right. Somebody has to teach you the way, you know, mm-hmm. and show you how to do this. And, and you learn from experts. So please take some advice from some experts. And uh, I was never really a big book person, but when you start reading things, all of a sudden light bulbs go off and things really start making sense and start to click. It's game changing. So a couple of books. One is The Five Love Languages. This book has been out forever, like 30 years or something like that. This one is critical. The Love Dare is another book. I think Love and Respect is another one. So a quick little story about The Love Dare. So it's probably been 10 years ago or so. I was on patrol at Carbondale PD. We got called to a domestic. And we show up to this domestic battery call, and there's – a husband and his wife, they were having problems. The guy was drunk, very drunk, and the wife had been punched in the face or something like that. And the guy was he was pretty calm, but it was obviously had been in a physical altercation, and the guy was kind of crying and upset. And we're like, man, what's going on? What happened here tonight? He said, well, me and my wife, we've been having some hard times, and so she made me start reading this book. <laughs> I was like, really? Like, what book? she started making you read. He said, I can't remember. It's something to do with something dare. said, I don't know the name. I said, and I, of course I knew the name of the book, but I jokingly, I said, is it, is it called, is it called dare to love? He's like, yep, that's it. Dare to love. She made me read this book, dare to love. And I said, well, how's it working out for you? And he said, not so good. (laughs) He said, not so good. I think I'm going to jail. I said, yeah. Yeah, man, I think I think that's where we're going tonight. So yeah. works for most people, I guess. Yeah. But seriously, you know, if, if you're drunk, Love Dare probably isn't going to work out for you at the moment. But honestly, just amazing, amazing book. So you've got to do you've got to dive into this stuff and not just on your own, dive into it as a couple. And, you know, with open minds and and, and, and willing to listen to each other. And these aren't books about what's wrong. Like, here's what you're doing wrong as a man. Here's what you're going to have to do to make your wife happy. They're not those type of books. It's It goes both ways, and it's a way to really build your relationship and make it stronger and stronger and stronger. And so get into that. Do some research. Read together. You know, one of the things me and my wife do daily whether it's in the morning or night, is we sit down, we read some type of Bible chapter, and we actually read it together to each other. And then we've got some type of devotional we go over. It takes All that takes maybe 20 minutes, and it's time for us to be in the Word of God together, to talk to each other, to talk about how we're doing, what you're thinking about this or that. And it's the time for us to pray together. And we try to make sure that happens every single day. And man, you know, talk about getting close, you know, because you have time to figure out what's what's hurting, how you're feeling and you can pray for each other. It's amazing when you can say, hey, how can I pray for you today? Well, I don't know. And then somebody prays for you and and you're building that relationship or going through tough times together. You know, one of the reasons why there's so many guys out there that lean towards sports and the military and the police, because it's a group of people that go through tough things together. That's it. And that's the draw. It's like, you know, we're going to battle on the football field. We're going to battle on the battlefield. We're going to go through these things and, and you can get together with your spouse and battle through life together. You will get closer. There'll be that camaraderie 
with each other. Absolutely. Yep. That is, that is a big, big key. And I think it's something that we miss somewhat in culture is that guys kind of want to escape that and go do this stuff with their buddies, but we should be really striving to do that with our spouse. If we're married and uh, we should be making them the number one priority of, of, Hey, let's do this life stuff together. Let's figure out things that we can do together that are going to bring us to get, bring us closer to each other and closer to God. I'm going to say something here that might be kind of controversial in your family in your, the marriage between you and your wife and your kids and all that together the most important relationship in that entire family is the husband and wife. Absolutely. The kids are not the most important thing. And that sounds kind of mean to say. And what I mean by that is the kids are not in charge of running your life. They're not. The parents are in charge of running the family life. And that's got to be first. That means maybe one day the kids don't get to go to their buddy's house. Or one day the kids don't get to go swimming or, or whatever. If it interferes with the core husband and wife relationship, there's going to have to be some adjustment to that. So to me, that's the most important thing. Husband and wife, that relationship, that comes first. And the kids need to know that. Yep. The kids need to know, like, that's the most important thing. That's the engine driving the family. And that's, and that has to be put first, I believe. Yeah. And, um, that is, that is definitely something, you know, we learned that, uh, just actually within the last probably five years that, that our kids, we're really what we're doing with our children. We're preparing them for the world. We're preparing them to be adults. And once they're adults, they're their own people. When they go off and get married, they're building their own families at that point. We are, me and my wife, you and your wife, that is our family units. That is who we are till death do us part spending our lives with. And so that should be our number one priority in, in everything. And I think that one thing that I I just recently, uh, John Lovell, uh, was on a podcast and he was talking about how sometimes when his kids come up to him and I've put this into practice recently, it's kind of funny actually, but when his kids come up and interrupt when he's having a conversation with his wife, he makes sure that they know you're going to wait. And he's like, and I might just make them wait a little bit longer if they come up and interrupt, just so they know this is the pecking order. This yep. is, you know, you're not, you're, you're, you're down here. We're up here. So you're going to be silent when the adults are talking. And I think it's, it's important for children to learn that, that they're not in control. So many parents now, they get that kind of backwards and, and their kids run their lives. And that is unhealthy, very unhealthy. Yeah, man, it does spiral out of control in a hurry. Also kind of realized that, you know, how you lived your life before you got married is not going to be the same of how you run your life after you get married. And if you expect to do all the things that you did single as a married person, things are going to start to crumble in a hurry. Yeah. And I hear guys say things like, well, you know, my buddies want me to do this. And, and, and I think that anybody that knows me, very well knows that I never did spend a lot of time going out and doing stuff with guys that I worked with. I would every once in a while, but it wasn't very often. I didn't always go on Friday nights to bowl with my buddies or go on Saturday nights to meet some guys somewhere else. Because, and the reason was is I cherished the time I could spend with my wife. And as a police officer, or if you're somebody that works a job where your schedule is crazy, you know, my schedule was, usually midnights or evenings 
So maybe three or four o'clock in the afternoon, leave. Wife's home all evening, all afternoon, all evening, supper time, night, getting ready for bed, going to bed alone. Four nights in a row. So when my Friday comes along, as a husband, I should be thinking about, you know what? I haven't spent very much time with my wife. What can we do? I want to do that. You should want to spend time with your spouse, you know, and not, and and it doesn't mean you can't ever go golfing with your buddies. It doesn't mean that you can't go do things, but you should prioritize. Some things should just in general be more important than anything else. And I see a lot of guys get jammed up. It's like, you know, my spouse, my wife, you know, never lets me do anything. And they expect, well, you know, I'm a dude. I got a job. I work. I got friends. I should be able to go do what I want to do. Well, if your first priority is not your spouse, then that's going to be that's going to be a hard sell. Yeah. And and just take take a inventory of yourself. What's most important in your family and your relationship? Is it your wife? Are you sacrificing personal time and parts of your personal life to do things for her, to do things with her? You should be. Yeah. You know, as a Christian, we should be sacrificing to some extent. And, you know, what's your focus? And so if we can, and, and it shouldn't be forcing people. It shouldn't be, you need to really focus on your wife. It should be, if you're married and in love with each other, it should be, I really want to do these things for her. Yeah, I saw, and it might be, I can't remember which one of these books it's in. I actually, I think it's in. Uh, one of these devotionals, the resolution for men, Bible study, Bible study, really good, uh, devotional style book. There's a story in there about a retired <coughs> college professor that had been a professor for 40 years. His wife got Alzheimer's and during the progression of the Alzheimer's, the wife would just pace back and forth like outside their home, waiting for him to come home. And like her feet were bloody, like she just couldn't wait. And as soon as he got home, she was very relaxed, happy, good mood, all of that. And she was craving him. And so he retired and was like, I'm, I'm going to quit this job. And he was doing some missionary stuff. And he's like, and everybody thought, well, just put her in a nursing home. She doesn't even know who you are. Just put her in a nursing home. Somebody can take care of her and you can go do your mission work for God. And he's like, no, this woman for 30 or 40 years sacrificed and took care of me the least I can do for her now is take care of her. Like, you know, so uh, our focus should be a desire. Not that I have to, but I get to. It's like you cherish. Yeah. Honestly, cherish your your wife. So, and that will drive, hopefully, all your behaviors in the right direction. Yeah. Yeah. And so, as we talk about that, that's a beautiful picture of what servant and serving your spouse is. Um, but that's not what we're being taught nowadays. That's not what we're being taught by culture, by media, by anything. It is literally do this until it doesn't jive with what you want. It is do this until it doesn't feel, until you don't feel love anymore, until you don't, you know, get married. But if you don't, two months later, if you don't care about that person anymore, just be done with it. And we've, we've started making this, this, um, you know, microwave mentality of, of what a marriage is of just like, we're going to, we're just going to quick, quickly do this thing. If it doesn't work out, no big deal. We have no commitment. There's no, 
There's none of this kind of stuff. And it, and it's, it's really creeping into, I, I mentioned something about this in the last episode. It's really creeping into what, what you would consider kind of the, the family side. If you're talking politics of like the right, you know, it's actually creeping into there where it's like, well, the court system's all broken and it, and it's, it favors women. So men don't get married because you don't need that. You, you just work on yourself. Be, be selfish. It's all be selfish, you know, get, get the good job, make the money, do all this stuff. Mm-hmm. And then you can pick whatever woman you want. It's not about finding a person to do life with. It's actually about, you know, self-service. And then you can get the really attractive woman that will probably cheat on you because she's being, you know, running around with all these other men too. And we're just in this culture of, of chaos when it comes to relationships. And I, I forget what it was. There was a study that came out that um, I believe it's like by the year 2030, uh, 40 or no, it was like 50% of women below the age of 40 will be single childless and, um, living alone. That's insane. That's pretty scary. That is, well, if you want to see death of a death of a culture, death of a nation type stuff, that's it. Because, you know, nations and cultures and, and churches and communities are all built on families. Everything is built around a family. It's not built around single people. It's built around a family. And if you enjoy the kind of comforts and all of that stuff that we have in this country, that was all built for families to survive. And it wasn't built for, for people that are just out for themselves Mm -hmm. being selfish. It was built around families. And if we're, if we're headed that direction, that's a scary, scary place to be. Yeah. We need to be an example for our own kids so they know what direction to go. And we don't want our kids to just make up life on their own. We want to be an example of how a marriage should be, what it looks like, how you treat your wife, how you talk to your wife. Uh, you know, your, your marriage should be a reflection of your faith. Really should. If you claim to be a Christian, I know things happen. But, you know, sometimes, you know, Christians do go through tough times. Christians do get divorced. But if you're a Christian... And like you're in an abusive relationship for crying out loud, you know, that's the stuff that is, you know, just ridiculous. Like what is, what is going on and why are things so messed up? And it's not like just because you have faith in God, like, Oh, we, you know, the people who believe in God, we've got this family thing figured out. We do, we have all the answers. Like, no, it's not any different. It's all about at some point having that servant attitude. And one of the, I guess, specific tips I, I would give people, give guys for relationships is you need to lose the need to be right all the time. If you get into a disagreement with your wife and, you know, there's an argument or, you know, accusing you of, or whatever the case, sometimes, you know, guys are pretty defensive sometimes about, you know, when they start being accused of something or whatever. And if it turns into just an argument of, you know, who's going to win the debate, things get ugly pretty quick. So don't always think about an argument or a discussion about a debate style thing where you need to win it. Mm. You need to prove a lot of guys like I'm going to no way I'm going to prove to my wife that she's wrong and I'm right. This is not going to, this just isn't going to last very long. Nobody is going to want to be in that type of relationship. And it doesn't mean that you just sit back and take it, so to speak, but it just means that, you are not motivated to win. It's your it's your wife 
I mean, do you really want to put her down and make her feel bad? There's ways to talk and have a discussion and make points, you know, about facts, but you don't want it to be in a manner to where you're trying to win a debate. Like you were debating Jimmy Kimmel or, or something yeah. like, and you wanted to prove somebody wrong. You cannot have that prove somebody wrong type of attitude. Yeah. It's like, it's like, you know, a conversation you'd have with your mom or your dad or, or whatever. It's not, you don't want to be adversarial. And so, if, you know, think about, you know, your attitude and it's, it's a lot of it has to do with self-awareness. Self-awareness yep. is a big deal, just not in marriages, but life in general. And if you can't constantly gauge where you're at all the time with your attitude, your language, your tone of voice, it's easy for things to just spurt out. You say things you wish you hadn't have said, but you can't take them back because they've been said already and they're hard to forget. So you need to be aware. I don't know how you teach self-awareness. I think some people just have it more than others. It's kind of like common sense. Yep. But I guess the easy way to say all that is don't feel like you have to have the need to win an argument or win a conversation so much. A lot of times the conversations we get into are just like they say, a lot of women will say, I don't want you to fix a problem. I just want you to hear me out. Yep. That's a big one. And I was always really big of, you know what? I'm going to fix this because yep. I don't want to have this conversation again. And it's like, no, that's not the point of this conversation. I'm like, well, maybe I should start listening and try to figure out what the point of this conversation <laughs> yep. is. And we'll start start going for there. So lose the need to be right all the time. Yeah, as a um, a person who loves to debate, the shout out to my buddy Derek, who we we at work every day we debate on who the greatest basketball player of all time is. Like, it's Michael Jordan. Let's just be yeah, clear. Sure. I mean, it's Michael Jordan. But um, you know, love you, Derek. But it's Michael Jordan. But I am that person that wants to debate and wants to get facts out there and. And all that stuff. And um, I, I came to this realization probably in 2020 when I'm doing all this research and pandemic and all this stuff. I got pretty deep into the weeds in that. And my wife's just like, I just want to talk to you. And I'm like, but this, 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 this. And um, I, you know, it, it was at some point I was like, oh, I probably should. I probably should back off of this and just really just be a husband because I'm, I'm teetering on the point of just like really making my wife upset yeah. because I'm just blurting out all these facts and she doesn't care about that. She just, <laughs> she just wants to, she wants her husband, you know? So this isn't a podcast. Yes. John. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, I think that that's such a, it's such an important thing for guys to learn of you approach your, your wife very differently than you do your buddies or, or people that you may have disagreements with disagreements within the home need to be handled in a very, very healthy way. Oh, you mentioned love and respect. There's a part of that where Emerson Eggeridge talks about um, disagreements are fire. It's like a fire. And that fire can do one thing, one, or, one of two things. It can either burn the house down or it can heat it and it can make it cozy and warm. And that's really what we're going for. Uh, I have a very dear friend of mine who goes to our church. He, he always says, when you fight, fight well. Fight for the right reason. Don't, don't just get into a fight to try and prove that you're right. But do it to better the relationship, to better each other. 
And I think that's such an important yeah, thing. Yeah, and relationships aren't made better in those arguing moments no. or the disagreements. Those aren't that's not when, you know, you things get get better. So you mentioned the love and respect book. So definitely love and respect. Get that book, read it. Uh, so just a couple things I pull up on my phone from that book. Emerson talks about this thing called the crazy cycle. When you get selfish, when you're not self-aware of what you're doing and you're focused on yourself, things start to spin out of control in a hurry. And things it feels like nothing can be fixed. Like I can't get through to my wife and the wife, you know, my husband never listens. And, and all of a sudden everybody's button heads and, and things get crazy. Obviously they call it the crazy cycle. So he talks about trying to fill your love tank. Is one way and also trying to get off the crazy cycle and and we're getting this energizing cycle. And so to kind of get back into that energizing cycle for the man, when you're focused on your wife, said learn to spell love with the word couple, C-O-U-P-L-E. So C stands for closeness. Your wife wants to be close to you. O is for openness. She wants you to be open to her. U is for understanding. Don't try to fix her. Just listen. P is for peacemaking. She wants you to say, I'm sorry. L is for loyalty. She needs to know that you're committed. And E is for esteem. She wants you to honor and cherish her. So cherish her, it's also involved in like pursuing, pursue your wife, date your wife, that type of stuff. For the woman, learn to spell this word, chairs. C is for conquest. Appreciate his desire to work and achieve. It's real important for guys to work at something, to have a project, to complete things. So for the woman, appreciate his desire to work and achieve things. H is for hierarchy. Appreciate his desire to protect and provide for the family. A is for authority. Appreciate his desire to serve and lead. I is for insight. Appreciate his desire to analyze and counsel. R is for relationship. Appreciate his desire for friendship. And S is for sexuality. Appreciate his desire for sexual intimacy. So it's it has to be both sides. Yeah. It's you are focused on her. She's focused on you. And all of a sudden, it's like, wow, we're actually working together and we're firing on all, all cylinders mm-hmm. here in the relationship. That's when things start to build when you start focusing on the other person. It really starts to build if both of you are focused on each other. So you don't just try and solve how you can have more free time and you can do what you want to do. And you don't work on that. You work on your spouse and, and it's not the recipe for a perfect marriage, but man, it's a recipe for having a perfect foundation for you to build on for your marriage. No doubt about it. Yeah. It's a, it's a recipe for a, a sanctifying marriage because that's what we're building is sanctification closer getting closeness to God getting closer to God and closer to each other we are really sharpening each other as you know it talks about the, in, the, in the context of the Bible of, of men as, a, as one man sharpens the other but I think in a marriage it's the same thing we sharpen each other we we work each other um, into where we're just better people I'm a way better husband provider father than I was 15 years ago when we first got married because I've learned through some mistakes, but I've learned through us doing those things together. I think that it's, 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 um, one of the biggest parts of this is learning how to, how to 
how your spouse reacts and how your spouse is spoken to. The love languages. You you actually mentioned that book earlier today or earlier in this episode um, of the love languages. And knowing, I, I would I would advise any couple, new couple, old couple, if you've never read that book, read that book and find out what your love languages are. You know, mine very easily, and my wife will tell you this, words of affirmation, if somebody gives me praise, I'll like go to the moon for them, you know, mm-hmm. and <laughs> my wife will tell you this one too, physical touch. That's just, that's, that's my two big ones. And for her, it's quality time and, and acts of service. So Mm -hmm. if I'm doing things for her or if I'm spending quality time for her, that fills up that love tank that she has. And, um, that is, you've, these are the little pieces of the puzzle that you learn and you navigate through years. And if you stay engaged, the, the rewards that you will receive, um, both from your spouse and from the Lord are just innumerable. Yeah. It's amazing. The power of realizing that somebody else is thinking about you is just thermonuclear. Mm-hmm. It is it is crazy. So when you leave your wife a note, she realizes, oh my gosh, he was thinking about me enough to actually write a note and put it in my car or whatever. Or you know, you bring home a flower after work or or whatever. If it's if it's gifts, some people you know their love language is mm-hmm. is receiving gifts or giving gifts or or whatever. And so just whatever it is, words of affirmation, quality time, doing those things for your spouse at the bottom of all that means that you are thinking about them enough to do those things. And so when you realize, man, somebody was thinking about you get a phone call from somebody that maybe you haven't heard of in three years, like, Hey man, just wanted to see how you're doing. You're like, Holy smokes, man, this person was thinking about me and they called me. That's, that's pretty cool. Yeah. You know, Maybe I'll call them next week or something, and it motivates you to do that type of stuff. So it's it's amazing that the more you do for your spouse, it's probably going to be reciprocated back to you as well. So that stuff is crazy. Definitely dig into those books, man. They are just eye-opening as far as our marriage goes. It was a complete turnaround. It's real easy to just get in a rut and do the same thing every day and just – Things it's not like you know we ever fell out of love with each other, but things get just like what's going on? Things are just the same every day. What's going? Well, the problem is because I'm not trying very hard. Yeah, <laughs> that's the problem. You sit back, you get comfortable. Oh, we're married, we're believers. You know, things are good. We got kids, we go to church. Like, you know, why would why would we ever break up? Or why? You no, know, this is never going to be wrong. And oh, well, things might not be as good as as you think they are. Yeah. And you can get lazy in a hurry, and that's when the when the wheels can come off. Yeah, I think that one of the things, especially for us guys, we have this tendency to get comfortable and get kind of lackadaisical and get a little passive about stuff. Um, it and and so as a man, I think that you know I I have this theory, and this is something I've worked out over a, a, a and it's it's proven out through scripture. But when we talk about the original sin for men and the original sin for women. I think that they're slightly different. I think that for men, the original sin is passivity that they, when we look at, you know, when, when Eve was tempted in the garden with the forbidden fruit and Adam wasn't somewhere else, he wasn't miles away in the garden doing something else. He was right by her. He took the fruit. The Bible says that 
And she gave some to her husband who was there, you know, mm-hmm. he was there. He did not fulfill his role as a husband to step in and say, no, 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 we're not doing this. God told us, no, lead at that moment. And I think that that is generally, we have this propensity to get into a passive mode as men. And so when we get in something, we're comfortable. Yep. Hey, we got the good job. We got a nice home. Mm-hmm. We've got the kids. We got the, you know, the nice cars. We got the, the, the church that we go to on Sundays. It's super easy for us to get into that mode of saying, eh, what's, what do we really need to work on? But the reality is that's when we should be working the hardest. That's when we should be saying, okay, I don't need to, I didn't need to fall back into my easy chair. I need to actually say, okay, how can I pursue my wife? Because the reality is, is she may be saying, what the heck are you doing? Like where, where in the world are you? Where's the guy that pursued me so hard when we were dating and first married? Where is that guy? Because all I have now is this dude that just comes in and sits in his easy chair and watches a sports game, you know, so. Yeah, so here's my challenge for you guys out there. Do an audit of your life. So we talked about how your relationship with your wife, that should be the most important. That's the core of your family. Mm -hmm. That has to be the most important relationship. And if it is, let's see. So here's how you can do an audit of your life. Get on your phone and look at the text messages on your phone and who are you texting more than anybody? Is it your buddies at work where you texted 47 times about the football game on Monday? And then you, you know, were on Instagram for two hours. You know, you can check the screen time on your phone and see how long you were on your phone. So you're on your phone today for four and a half hours. You sent 27 text messages. Zero of that was to your wife. This is a sign that your priorities are off. If you really cherish your wife as number one, there should be some evidence in your life that that's a fact, you know, have, did you call her? Did you text her? Did you leave her a note? Did you say, Hey, how things going? Hey, did you call and ask, Hey, can I help out? Can I bring home some food? You know, how much of a relationship are you having with your wife during the day? You know, while you're at work, while you're gone, while you're out of town and do an audit and figure out, you know, where, you know, just, you know, we're, tracked by everything figure out what your where your priorities are at and there's a there's a digital trail that everybody leaves of what you do all day long it's pretty easy to look at that and sometimes it's embarrassing like golly man i am spending you know if i have enough time to spend an hour and a half scrolling through instagram what else could i have done in that hour and a half to make my wife happy to show her that i'm thinking about her to focus on that or my kids or whatever else that might be more important than screen time or YouTube or those type of things. That's where, man, I'm, if anybody were to ever have me guess what the downfall of society is going to be, we're looking, I'm holding one right here and it's stuck to me all day long Mm. and there's not a whole lot we can do to get away from this, but man, oh man, I would, if somebody said this was it, I would believe it in a second because it just drags so much of our attention away from personal relationships. And so anytime we can kind of limit that the best we can, and I'm not saying don't ever use your phones. Obviously we're, we're doing a podcast. It's going to your phone. It's going, you know, we're doing videos at the range. We're doing social media. We're using all this kind of stuff, but it needs to be balanced and you need to know where your priorities are 
for sure. Yeah, I, one challenge, and this is a challenge I would give to myself too, because I don't always do it well. But I know Pastor Michael, Cornerstone Church, where we go to church, he a, a few years ago he did a marriage series where he talked about you know putting your when you get home, put your phones away, and really focus on your family. We did that for a while, and it was it was great because we no longer had those distractions, and that would be something that like. I would say for any couple that's struggling, put those things down. Or any couple that really wants to find each other again, put those things down when you get home. Unless you absolutely have to use them. If you're on call for a hospital or something like that. But if, you, if you're just using that as a tool to check out at your house, put that thing someplace. Both of you and your spouse put mm-hmm. it someplace where you're not, it's not readily available. And sit there and be with each other present in the moment. And you'll be amazed at how just that simple step of connecting with your spouse personally will start to fix a lot of those issues. Yeah. It's it's not it's not really difficult, but it is also difficult because yeah. we get we want we crave that attention from you know it's like a drug. Those things are like a drug. They they. Give us a dopamine hit. They give us all of these things that we crave. We can get all that stuff from our spouse if we're just engaging. If we're, if we're another analogy that I believe it may be Emerson Egridge or, or one of the other authors that we've talked about. He talks about a bank account, making deposits into a bank account. And if we're constantly depositing in that bank account, when we go to make a withdrawal, it's a lot easier because the money's already there. It's the yeah. same principle. And if we're depositing in each other's bank accounts, then with when that thing comes up that maybe, hey, honey, I need to go this weekend and do this thing. It's going to be fun. It's not going to be that big of a deal, you know, because we've already deposited that you time. You can't they just know, take, 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 yes, take all the You cannot because you overdraft that thing. And guess what? Your marriage is probably not going to last long if you keep on overdrafting that bank account. Yeah. And speaking of spending time yeah. with each other, one another specific tip or advice I would give is try to eat together as much as possible with us getting home after work, whether it's, you know, eating lunch, breakfast, whatever time you can spend at a table together over dinner. We really tried to make that a priority when our kids were little of always having supper together. Nobody got to go eat in their bedroom by themselves and watch some TV show. When it's supper time, we're all sitting at the table. Mm -hmm. This is where we're going to be and have have supper together. We're going to eat together and, and try to talk to each other and have that time together with with each other it's really important man i can remember when it wasn't too long after i got hired at carbonell pd that was 98 and about 2001 or two i remember i got into bow hunting pretty pretty heavy and probably for the next 10 years or so i bow hunted a lot every year and you know that meant you know three or four in the afternoon going out in the woods till it was dark coming home and almost every time I went out to, to go hunt and I came home, my wife had hot supper made for me. I'm like, this is crazy. I've got a why. I'm here. I am spending time away from the family, going to hunt, could be doing a million other things. And I come home and not only is she like not reading me the right act about, you know, being gone all day, but she's giving me this gift of hot food. Like this is crazy. I almost felt guilty. Like, and that motivated me to want to be more selfless to her. 
And so just the small things like that mm-hmm. are, are a big deal. And I realized, you know, number one, how good I've got it. What an awesome wife I have that would be willing to provide that type of, you know, life for me. And then it's, you know, all of a sudden you get off the crazy cycle, you start reciprocating with each other. And it's, you know, that's kind of where everything really gets energized. Yeah. And I think that like to kind of, kind of turn around and, and talk about something uh, we've talked about really good marriages. Cause I think both of us have overall good marriages um, through a lot of hard work and a lot of deposits in the bank account and, and some, some uh, mistakes and failures along the way. But um, I think that one thing we haven't really talked about is those people that are in marriages that are tough right now, people that are, that are maybe struggling and to them, I would say God calls us to do, to fulfill our role as a husband or a wife in our marriage. He calls us to do those things that we're supposed to do. Doesn't mean it's always easy. It doesn't mean that it always feels good, but we're, we, if I could give anybody advice to that's in a struggling marriage, maybe your spouse is just not interested. Maybe you're on the brink of divorce. Maybe you're, maybe it's, you think it's over. But we can always reach out and hit that stop button from the crazy cycle. And we can start acting out the things that we know God has called us to do. And we don't do them for anything. The easiest way to do it is that we're doing this for as unto the Lord. We're not doing it for brownie points or anything like that. We're doing it as unto the Lord. And we know that he's going to bless it one way or the other. So I would I would give you advice to pray Pray for your spouse. If you're in that tough situation, pray for them. You'd be amazed at what just praying for your spouse will do. It can change an attitude. I've seen that happen in my marriage where we had a, maybe a knockdown drag out fight and I go home or I I drive into my car or something. And I'm like, I'm going to pray for my wife. And I come home and it's like the attitude's completely different. God can change people's heart. He can deal with people's emotions and he, he can do miraculous things. And so I would say, pray and then do the things that we know that we're supposed to do and do them as unto the Lord. Yeah. Prayer. So yeah, first in in my mind, first of all, there's nothing God can do. So as, as bad as you think you have it, you know, there's some, something going on with drugs or there's, you know, infidelity or some crazy things going on. And you think, well, this is way beyond fixing. Well, God can do anything. God created mm-hmm. the universe. God can fix anything. There's nothing God can't do. So pray, first of all, number one. And I also promise you that if you read a couple of these books, Love and Respect, number one, and probably the five love languages, number two, do that. I dare you, like the love dare. Do that together as a couple. And things will drastically change. I don't know how they couldn't change. I don't know how you could read those and not have an improvement in your marriage. And it doesn't mean you have to figure like, well, you don't, it's like you don't get cleaned up to go to church. You don't have to figure things out. You don't have to have a solution. You just move forward. You know, I think there's a phrase out there that says, God doesn't call a qualified he qualifies those who are called. Yep. <laughs> like, yeah, that's awesome. That means you don't have to have the answers, a solution. You just have to start moving in the right direction. 
based on God's love and, and, and desire for us to have this, a healthy relationship and to be selfless towards each other, you know, treat others like you want to be treated. Yep. And I, I think that would be critical and, you know, don't be afraid. You know, I'm, we're not, you know, marriage counselors. We're not here to tell you how to solve a, a, a marriage where you're having problems or having issues, but pray to the God of the universe who can fix anything Number one, and either go get some counseling, get us some books together, and and start moving forward in that in that direction, and see where things from go from there. And I would be willing to bet there would be some improvement, big time in that direction. Yeah, yeah. And so we'll close out kind of with um, we're going to close out with this because uh, um, we're almost out of time. But I think that we. Let's let's do a quick call to we're the you know we're kind of geared towards men and men's issues and what what men are dealing with. So we're going to say as men, be a leader. And being a leader is not sitting back on your couch and letting your wife handle everything in the home. It's not checking out. Being a leader is being actively engaged with your wife and your kids when you get home. Um, I'm going to quote another great friend of mine, Pastor Dustin from the church, where he said, he told me this several years ago, and it stuck with me is when I get home from work, I sit and I'll sit in my driveway sometimes. And I think, okay, now I'm going to my, to my next job because this is the job that really counts. And I think that that is the mindset that we need to have as men, as godly men, as guys that want to be righteous is to go into our homes and treat it. This is, this is the job that actually counts because this is, these are the lives that I have the most effect on. These are the lives that matter the most to me. So don't, don't shy away from that. Don't just let this world and all of these distractions and all of these lies that are being told to us on a daily basis, distract you from what your job is. And that is to lead your home, lead it with everything that you've got in you every day don't take a day off. Um, if you're going to take a day off from something, take a day off from the gym. Don't take a day off from leading your family. Yeah. And I think that that is something that every man listening needs to take away from this. Lead. By example, through service to your family, don't take a day off. Absolutely. Yep. So I think we're pretty much out of time, but it's been a great discussion. Uh once again, I'd like to thank everybody for tuning in again. Um, we're uh, really excited about where this is headed, and we're going to be doing some uh, training, tactical training stuff coming up and uh, putting some more of that content out. We've got a Patreon that's going to be starting here before too long for you guys to get some kind of behind-the-scenes stuff and, and maybe some extended episodes where we talk a little bit more candidly about things. And... Um, we have our merch that just dropped, so I hope that you guys will support us and, and um, flash your Gucci uh, Righteous Savages uh, apparel out. Um, that's on our website, RighteousSavages.com. Hit up all of our social medias, share them with your friends, anybody that you think might be interested in what we're talking about that wants to be uh, a better leader, a 
Righteous Savage, for lack of a better term. That's kind of a catchy yeah, name. I think we should. Yeah, let's go should, for that. Yeah. Um, but anybody that wants to wants to be a part of this, we welcome you with open arms. And we'll hope that you'll join us. And we'll see you guys next time.